Welcome to Real Deep Stuff. We've saved your seat at the table for this conversation. We're so glad you're here. It's an honor to have Dr. Michael Kendall join us today. He goes by Mike around here as our families have been friends for years and we've shared so many good moments together. Well, Mike in the last couple of years has found himself on two different journeys. The first one was a surprise cancer diagnosis. It's a fascinating conversation to listen to him talk about how he's processed that both as a doctor and a patient. The second part of his journey was walking the El Camino in Portugal and Spain, where he walked 100 kilometers with friends to the resting place of St. James. These journeys parallel, compare, contrast in beautiful ways, both of which have also led him to new opportunities to serve others through the experiences he's had on these journeys. It's a great discussion. It's uplifting and helpful and helpful. Let's get to it. Well, welcome, Dr. Michael Kendall. We are so excited to have you here today. And I know I've already introduced you, but I would love to give you a chance to kind of introduce yourself so everyone can get to know you a little better. Well, thank you, Chris. It is a true pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you and Bruce and your family as friends. Um, it is a pleasure to be here, and thank you for asking. Um, a little bit about myself. Um, so I'm 57. I'm married and I have three kids. I uh, grew up down in Wilmington, North Carolina. grew up on the coast and then traveled to Durham and Chapel Hill where I went to college at Duke and then uh, medical school at Chapel Hill. My wife and I were together for six years and um, I like to joke she finally, after six years, finally said enough and proposed to me, but I did propose to her. We got married and <laughs> Our life took us to Ann Arbor, Michigan for internal medicine residency, where I learned to be an internal medicine doctor. Um, and then got wanted to come back south and got recruited by a group here in Charlotte um, and came back in August of 1995, joined an internal medicine practice, and I started working in private practice for primary care. Along the way, Ann and I have had three kids who are now young adults, um, 26, 23, and 21, all either in school or uh, working here locally. Worked at one hospital system. Um, if folks are from Charlotte, it's the Atrium Hospital System. I did that from 95 through 2018. Um, I looked over at the other hospital system and I kind of joked the grass wasn't always greener um, when you look somewhere else. It was a great system to work for, both were. But I moved over to the other hospital system. Um, same role, primary care. Did that from 2018. And I'm now retired, but working part-time. And part of that transition from working primary care to where I'm now is, I think, part of what we're going to talk about. Yes. So that's a little bit about me. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. We have been uh, friends for so long, and it's such a blessing. You guys yeah. are family to us. and yeah. We have walked along beside each other in life. Yeah, it's yeah. been great. It's been so, so great. Yeah. But not always easy. And yeah. so your life kind of took a left turn real quick a bit ago. Want to tell us about that? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So if I went back to 2020, doing my routine physical exams and was happy in practice, I'd moved over 2018, 2020, was happy in practice, doing the responsible thing. I was, I guess, 54 at the time, doing the responsible part about doing my own uh, examinations, um, including screening for prostate cancer. Men um, will oftentimes get a, a, t a blood test called a PSA or a prostate-specific antigen PSA test, which, if elevated, sometimes can be an, an indicator of prostate cancer. Um, and a norm normal number of reference range is anything less than 4.0 is considered normal, although younger guys, and 
I like to think I'm younger, although the, the image in the mirror really belies that. You're uh, as old as you feel. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel as old as the gray. So the numbers crept up a little bit. They'd been 1.4 and then in, uh, I went up to 1.9 and some of my primary care doctors said, hey, I went up just a little bit, let's recheck and I went to 2.1 and referred me to a urologist. So I went to a urologist, we rechecked it in that summer and it was up to 2.4. And we had a conversation, should we do anything more aggressive, get an MRI? And he said, you know, if these guidelines right now, so right now say, let's wait until it goes to three. I said, that's fine. So fast forward to the spring of 2021, I rechecked it and it was 3.4, I think. And I was like, oh gosh, you know, that's, that's um, a little bit higher than I'd hoped. I hope it wouldn't jump. Still within quote unquote normal, but um, it was a little bit higher than, you know, the elevation was a little bit higher than I'd hoped. About at the same time, that was spring, yeah, spring of 21. Right at about the same time, I began just feeling this, I think God nudging saying, Mike, you know, I called you to, he put it in my heart when I was 12 years old. I distinctly remember the day I would know I wanted to be a doctor. Um, I watched a TV show, it was about the brain. I said, I'm fascinated, I want to go into medicine. Wow. And so, since 12 years old, I knew what I was going to do with my life. Oh, you're uh, so lucky. I, I, was, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, for whatever reason, I don't know. I don't, wow, you know, I, I studied hard and did well in school. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I loved what I um, had done, but I knew it was, I was becoming tired. Um, I knew at that time, I was early 21, my parents were both aging. They both were struggling with dementia and some other medical issues. They moved to Charlotte. I got on average about four, four and a half hours of sleep at night. And it was just hard. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was more difficult in taking care of people. Mm-hmm. Um, it just was a struggle. Um, mm-hmm. Whether you call it burnout, I don't know. I mean, maybe so, but it was just rather than me getting tired of patients, I just got tired. And I said, you know, did a lot of praying, talked to my I've got three best friends, which I'll talk about in a moment as well. Talked to them and really just prayed on it and looked at did a lot of different resources. Was really influenced by an author, um, a Jesuit priest called Richard Rohr. And he's a spiritual guide, um, not here locally. I think he's in Washington, D.C. and actually Arizona. But he, um, he wrote a book called Falling Upward, and it was all about as you transition through your life and through your career, kind of what's that next step. And it really was instrumental. It's on top of me feeling tired and, you know, like taking care of people, but it was the thought of you've built a career and he's kind of put it in the, built a a box. Don't worship the box. Mm -hmm. Worship and really strengthen what's inside it. And so I knew some of my strengths. My strengths were I love talking to people. I love working through their issues. I thought I was a good communicator, but I was really just becoming tired. And I think it was was seductive because I think being my profession, being a doctor, it's an easy profession to get out of boys, right? And so people were appreciative, which is nice. Um, You know, I never felt badly about people saying, you know, thank you for doing the job that you did. And it was, you know, I had a love of doing it, but it's seductive. And so I recognize that as well. And so along the way, these kind of walked hand in hand. I, my PSA level had gone up. I made a decision I was going to step away um, from primary care. I talked to my office manager. She was a little, certainly surprised. I'd only been with the other hospital system for about three and a half years. And I told her, her name's Peggy. I said, Peggy, I'm you know, I've got something to tell you. I'm going to step away from my practice. 
I'm going to, this is probably May or so, I'm going to give you a long runway, I'm going to give you to the end of the year, that way we make uh, arrangements for transition of patients. So right at that time, I said, oh, by the way, you know, my PSA level's up a little bit. I've got to figure out what that means. And so I ended up having an MRI on my uh, prostate. Um, it showed the, the features of it. There are certain features of prostate cancer. And it said, almost certainly a prostate cancer. Um, and it's right on the edge of the prostate. And so there may be a concern that it spread to the bladder, which wasn't what I really wanted. I wasn't surprised about prostate cancer, but it, it's like, oh, that's, you know, that's, huh. We'll have to think about that. Consulted urologist, um, Dr. Gaston, wonderful job. We chatted, we made the decision, you know, we're gonna do a biopsy. We did the biopsy in, um, in July and again, 2021, and it came back positive for prostate cancer. And for those who don't know, prostate cancer typically has a score associated with it, called a Gleason score, and it's six, seven, eight, and nine. The higher the number, the more aggressive. Mine was seven, which is intermediate. But there were some features that, you know, might be a little bit more aggressive. Told my office manager at that time, hey, I'm going to step away. I'm going to have surgery. We decided on surgery. I'm not sure the emotional capital I'll have at that time to spend on practice. And so I'm going to give you a 90-day notice right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was on July 4. So October 4 was going to be my last day. Um, had my surgery in mid-August. Took two weeks off to recover. Did great. No complications at all with the surgery. He's a fantastic surgeon, did a wonderful job. Uh, went back to work, preparing with patients to leave. Um, How was that? Was that hard? I, you know, it was, because I really, you know, by that time I'm in practice 27, 28 years. Mm-hmm. I've got to know, I was fortunate that a lot of them, as I moved from one hospital system to the other, I think we retained about 90% of, and about 2,500 patients, so wow. 90% moved over. Um, with me. Wow, that's and, a lot. It was a lot. And they had, they <laughs> that had must you feel good. <laughs> well, it did. It did. I don't, you know, you, you grow a comfort level with treating mm-hmm. people and mm-hmm. they grow a comfort level for, um, you know, for how you treat them. Um, and so I was pleased. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that was, um, it was great to continue seeing people. Mm-hmm. So um, that was, it was, you know, bittersweet. Um, mm-hmm. Some I still keep in contact with. Mm-hmm. You know, we still maintain mm-hmm. Facebook friends or, you know, mm-hmm. just texting back and forth. But um, it was tough. Yeah, not all jobs are so interfacing, so personal. Yeah, yeah it was a know? relational type job, yeah. at least in my, yeah. you know, being as you know, primary care. Mm-hmm. The beauty of that, and I think the people who do it well, make sure it's relational. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not just making widgets. Right. Um, and so you have to have a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, when I see people... I'd go into the office, into the room with them. I'd say, I've got to turn on the computer, got to bring your stuff up, turn it on, and then push it aside, and then we just sit face-to-face and yeah. let's talk. Yeah. And so that was always the, the best part about business, talking to people yeah. and trying to figure out, mm-hmm. you know, just figure out a little mm-hmm. mystery every day. Patients that. love to be heard. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, yeah. we want to have a say in our health care. 100% you yeah. do. And I will say the, you know, I won't know about secret, but the thing that really, um, one of the things that made me love it so much was I was intentional about what am I going to learn from the patient every day? Mm-hmm. So I've learned a lot of things about a lot of things I never would have known because mm-hmm. they would say, you know, what they do, who, you know, where they've been, blah, blah, blah. And we would just talk about that for a moment yeah. or so. And so I learned that's cool. What does it mean to do this? We, right. we were talking earlier about uh, about writing, and one of my patients written twenty six books and learned <laughs> her formula of how to write books. And so, anyway, so just wow. things like that that you know, it, whether it's an adventure or occupations, things I would never yeah. come across. 
Um, and we've seen, yeah, I think collectively, probably 200,000 over 30 years, 200,000 oh different appointments. <laughs> uh, certainly some of those are the same patients. But it became a, you know, my doctoring is not, I don't think, you have to study, obviously, but the whole point of doctoring, I think, is learning patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's important for me both personally and then, but professionally, it was learning a pattern when I'm talking with somebody, hearing what they're saying with my objective, I've got to be thinking, how, what are they trying to tell me? Mm-hmm. With the, my job is to figure out either disease, side effect, something's going on with their system. Mm-hmm. And so I listen with an ear of detecting a pattern and where did it deviate from the pattern I expected. Mm-hmm. So that's how I, I would listen to people. Um, and my ears really perked up whenever I, they deviated from what I expected they would say. And yeah. something was different at that time. Yeah. So I left in early October, October 4, um, said my goodbyes, closed the door. Um, it wasn't a teary goodbyes. Was like, I guess I'll go home and mm-hmm. have dinner with my wife and you know, wake mm-hmm. up tomorrow and I won't have anything to do. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Toes on the edge of the cliff. Like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> what does well, that look like? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was uh, it was a good conversation with Dan, and we you know we struck a, a balance, I think, um, of having me home and you know, not at work all the time. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> strike a balance. Yeah, like we did that. strike a balance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, she's been she's been fantastic mm. you know, with that because it, it's it's a different situation. Yeah. So in the span of about. From the time I retired, if that weren't enough, in a span of a, maybe two weeks, I was supposed to get a follow-up PSA level, which was supposed to be zero. It came back 0.5. Um, talked to an oncologist, and he said, uh, you know, that's not what we were hoping for. Um, we need to make sure your prostate cancer hasn't spread. And the vast majority of people, if they've had cancer that spread, the PSA level would be certainly over 10, if not over 20. I wasn't expecting anything with that. So he signed me up to do a special scan called a uh, PSMA scan. Not important what it is, just a specific CT scan for prostate cancer. Mm -hmm. So that blood test came back. Um, My oldest son um, got engaged. Um, A couple days later, my middle son got into medical school at Chapel Hill. It's a lot of life change. And then three days later, my mom died. So within that time frame, you know, within that probably nine, ten days of October. You know, retirement, still persistent PSA, son engaged, son medical school, and my mom died. Mm. Um, so that was that That's was a lot. a lot. That was a lot. A lot of you know they, they talk about the you know the the things that score points on an early death, right? So yes. Moving, mm-hmm. change mm-hmm. of jobs, all those things mm-hmm. that give you points. And if you score over whatever the number might be, mm-hmm. 70, 80, you got to watch because you're mm-hmm. at high risk for something, mm-hmm. you know, a stressor in your life. So I, I had probably about, uh, you know, 100, 180, wow. um, whatever. And wow. so then the, the special CT scan was done. I chose to do it on my birthday. It was November 8th and chose to do it on that day, fully expecting everything to be fine when it's my birthday. That's when, a bold choice. Well, I had, you know, the three days before I was in a wedding, my best friend um, was getting remarried and so was in his wedding. Um, so I couldn't do it on that day. And the next available day was my birthday. So that's fine. It's up in Greensboro. I'll drive up. You know, drive in, drive out, mm-hmm. um, you know, what could happen? So That's a question we should never yeah, ask. Yeah, it's like, uh, <laughs> it's like if you reference the movie yeah. Stripes back in the day, you and yeah. I, Stripes, yeah. we drive in, we drive out, what yeah. could happen? Yeah. So I came back, went to dinner with Ann and uh, my son and his fiance, um, came home, got a little ping on my 
electronic record. Hey, you've got a new result. Went upstairs, excuse myself. And I read the result. It said, you've got two spots of prostate cancer in your pelvis, which means you have metastatic disease, which is that that's a big game changer. Mm. So, mm. you know, in a matter of a month, a lot has changed. Mm. So this is November of 2021. When you got that ping, yeah. what what were you think? What was your first thought? Yeah, yeah. That's um, depending on the age of the audience. It's probably not the right words to say. I and I, no, I, I joke. It. Um, I was like, oh, man, I was just really disappointed. Mm-hmm. I was obviously, but I was I was disappointed that there's been probably a lot of self-flagellation, a lot of beating myself up because a year prior, you know, if I'd said, okay, it's the numbers should crept up a little bit. Let's just go ahead and do the MRI. Even though that's not what the guidelines say, let's just do that. It probably would have been caught earlier. Um, and so, you know, you beat yourself up, even though people, it's easy for them to say, no, don't beat yourself up. You didn't do anything wrong. You know, you followed mm-hmm. what your doctor said. You followed the guidelines. And there's truth in that. Mm-hmm. It just was, it, it just was in a bad spot, bad place, and it just happened to have spread. I knew after the um, surgery, I had the surgery in August, and the doctor coming out had said, oh, it has spread to the bladder. So I knew it had spread some. You're going to have radiation. You're going to recover. So I was prepared for that. But mm-hmm. going to the bone is now stage 4B disease, which is the most advanced. And, you know, the toughest part, of, you know, my son and his fiance went home. I told Ann. We cried. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you feel there. like they say that there's and in, <clears throat> with the big stuff in life, you can fight, you can flight, or you can freeze? Do you think any of those are... A combination of them was maybe where your head and heart were at at that initial shock. Because being a doctor, I think a lot of us lay people are yeah. particularly interested in how like a doctor thinks about things because you have a different lens. You you know a lot more than we do. So like that, I think we all have curious questions about yeah. what are the, what do the doctors feel well, when it's them as the patient? Yeah, I think as you know, as I'm thinking through as a patient, um, I was scared. Certainly. Um, I wanted to get a little bit more information on numbers. I'd had plenty of men who had had advanced prostate cancer, but I had men who died of prostate cancer. Um, I didn't freeze. That's not, I don't think, in my nature. It really wasn't a flight. I knew I was going to fight it. I knew I was going to whatever my um, college, Dr. Burgess, whatever he said we were going to do, okay, we're going to do that. I called him a couple days later. He's been really, really kind. I had a cell and he called back and I told him the results. And he said, hmm, well, you know, you've got 4B disease. And I said, you know, Earl, I call him Earl. Um, Earl, the, you know, the numbers I look at, at a five-year interval, 30% of people are alive. So it's a, you know, the survival rate's not great for that. And he said, well, you've got, the term is called oligometastatic, which means you've got less than four spots. I had two small little spots. And he said, so that's about 50% at five years. Um, so in my mind, okay, it's a flip of the coin in five years wow. going forward. Am I going to be alive or not? But but then, you know, I think, well, I'm, you know, I just turned 56. I'm young, youngish, not as old as some of the people. And some of those studies are done in older people who may die of other disease. I don't mm-hmm. have any other medical issues. And I thought, well, it still that's might be. Point. It might mm-hmm. be before five years, mm-hmm. I don't know, mm-hmm. but it might not. And so I was prepared to say, okay, what do we want to do? You know, what should we do? And he laid out a plan and said, you know, we're gonna get radiation, which began a couple months later in January through March. We did 37 days of radiation and began, began giving shots that just deplete your body of testosterone. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll get shots every six months. I take a tablet, four tablets every night. I like to try to put some humor on it um, mm-hmm. as a defense mechanism. So I like playing golf periodically, and mm-hmm. you know, I have no have, have no testosterone. So I want to go play golf. I always joke I get hit from the from the red tees from the women tees. Um, <laughs> I don't think it would help my score if I did. But um, anyway, you try to put a sure. shine of light. Yeah, on it. absolutely. Yeah. My but, mom uh, always said, if you have to laugh or cry, yeah, laugh. Yeah. 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 yeah, but deep down I know it. You know, I, yeah. I don't worry about it, but I think about it every day. Mm-hmm. I think about it so many times during the day. Sure, I'm still not at that point yet of not thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So, because mm-hmm. um, your your mortality is all of a sudden has a seat at the table when normally we're just going about our life. Not yeah, really, you know. Thinking. Yeah, part of the decision on retiring. Okay, let's make sure you know financially you put yourself in a good position. And they always, I think, standard of uh, practice is you have to give. Information when you turn, you know, if you live to 92, mm-hmm. and we kind of left anyway. Who's going to who? I'm not living to 92. And, you know, went back and said, when I said not 92, I didn't think I'd ever say I'm not going to make 62 either. Mm. Um, mm. You know, so, but that's a reality. So, what are some of the steps that you did to help process this news? To, like, it's now part of your family life. Like, it, like yeah. again, like it has a seat at the table now, this yeah. cancer and, and all of that goes with it. So, yeah. what are some things that you felt were beneficial that you did to process? Yeah, I, th- I think the recognition, um, one, there's active treatment. Um, listening to my doctor, you know, I would go into, and I think having read medical studies, maybe a, certainly a little bit more experience on how to read those and the, you know, some of the uh, nuances to that. But being able to read those and interpret and say, oh, I see where this has this uh, benefit. But it did leave the, certainly decision-making to Earl, Dr. Burgess. And mm-hmm. it was, okay, I, I have faith, and he was not concerned he wasn't oh my gosh you know you know we've got a game plan mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know the initial one we're going to try this we're going to go for the best case scenario it probably won't work those were mm-hmm. his words and i was fine with that mm-hmm. um but just recognizing that there's from a pure medical standpoint we have advanced medical science has advanced so new treatments are all down the road and mm-hmm. you know there's some treatments that fit men with certain types of prostate cancer and i'm not a candidate for but there are other other things that have mm-hmm. available. So reminding myself of that, reminding my kids of that, you know, when I talk to Yeah, you. I was just about to ask you, like, how did you handle it with your family? Like, yeah. Did you feel, as the father and husband, did you feel like, I've got to be this, this like, stone wall of, like, strength and this pillar to be like, I, I got this and I got you guys too? Or, or did you more, like, get in the trenches and be like, I don't know if I got this and we're just going to do it together? Yeah, maybe somewhere in between. I wasn't surprised when each of our three kids responded exactly to their character. Mm-hmm. Right. So we, we sat down and um, I've got a daughter who's 21. I've got a son who's now 26. And my middle one is the medical guy. And he's 23, was probably 21, 22 at the time. So he happened to be away. It was on FaceTime for him. But my daughter and my son were in the house. And so we sat down with him and said, hey, listen, you know, we, I know we gave you the dad's got prostate cancer, he's going to have surgery, easy peasy, and then we've got this radiation that's going to clean it up. And so they were used to hearing, well, that was bad news, and but we're reassured. Then a little bit more bad news, you have to have radiation. Okay, we knew that. Now here was, oh my gosh, dad's got metastatic disease. Mm-hmm. And so I think we were up front. We didn't try to hide anything from them. I think we certainly emphasized, not falsely, the, the thought that, you know, there, there's hope, and a lot of men live a long time with it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, at that time, none were married. Bradley was engaged, and I was like, you know, Bradley, I'm going to be at your wedding, but you know, I'm going to be at the other two's wedding also. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. have any doubt about that. And so, you know, knowing that we had a great team, we're in a, a city that's a, um, you know, it's got just advanced medical care here, and mm-hmm. all the things that any patient could need, we mm-hmm. have available. So emphasize that. Moldest, he completely was, you know, whatever you say, I'm going to go with that. He was at face value. My daughter tends to um, retreat, um, and I knew that. She didn't respond much. She opened up over the course of the next you know, week, two weeks, then month, and you know she had to process and just knew that was likely how she would. And then, then my middle one, he just is very, um, you know, emotions are on his sleeve, and he had to hang up five minutes. I'm sure he cried. Um, just really emotional about it, and he called right back. He said, "Dad, I've looked up. You've got stage four B disease, and you got thirty percent survival at five years." And he mm-hmm. was already in that in the medical part of it. I said, "Well, you know, that's that's true um, if you look at all comers, but mine is, you know, maybe a little bit better than that." And I've so that was the the medical part of it. Emotionally, you know, it certainly did push me on my faith of. You know, things are, regardless, things are going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm thinking, like, to have all the head knowledge and experience that you do, it could, it could either help or hurt when yeah. it's you going through it. Yeah. There, you know? Had I had other diagnoses, you know, unfortunately, things like pancreatic cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's got a much more serious um, or much uh, more difficult prognosis. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so we did have to start, have that conversation. Mm. at all yeah. Um, yeah so but it also you know, part of this and this is way down the list but part of it is hey wait a second you just retired and are you gonna die and not leave Anne mm-hmm. with any you know it was it's stupid because if we had enough resources for me and her to retire together there certainly should be enough for just her to retire yeah but it was the oh my gosh I'm, I'm failing you mm-hmm. if I if I leave Mm. And you're not going to, you're going to, you know, she can work, she's smart and she mm-hmm. can find a job. But it was just that emotional, oh my gosh, you know, my health is going to fail her on so many levels. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's hard. Yeah. That's hard to process. And um, it shows your, your integrity to want to provide, which is great. Um, I think that, I think that's what mm-hmm. I have felt called to. That's mm-hmm. the arrangement Anne and I had, mm-hmm. you know, she raised our kids and I think maybe a more traditional household where uh, the wife stays home, raised the kids. She had worked as a physician assistant, but decided she wanted to be a mom at home and did a mm-hmm. wonderful job. And I'm thankful she did and depend on me to earn money. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so that was arrangement. That's how we yeah. kind of manage life together. Well, it's funny you say you talk about past how uh, yeah. how your arrangement was bringing the kids up and then looking toward the future. Yeah. So how speaking of that, how yeah. has your cancer diagnosis like changed your perspective of life and time and future purpose? Yeah. So is that like fire hosing when you think is it like when you're sitting alone? Is it just all like <laughs> like all at once? Um, yeah, there certainly are days. There are days where I can be maudlin and I can have a pity party and, you know, that gets me no further mm-hmm. than just right back where I am. But mm-hmm. I can do that. Um, time, I think, has been clearly um, different for me. It is an appreciation of today. It is 
you know, we're taught in scripture not to, you know, tomorrow has worries of its own. Mm -hmm. Just focus on today. Mm -hmm. One of the things I've done differently in 23, um, I started carrying a penny in my pocket. I carry one every day. And to me, it's just a marker. Today's penny is worth just as much as tomorrow's and yesterday's. It is given to us mm -hmm. as a gift. Hmm. And so at the end of the day, take my penny out. Well, I have my cup of 365 pennies, and now it's whatever, probably 330. Uh -huh. I'm going to have another cup that I put it in, and I think about it, I pray about it. I love this. Yeah, so I, that's, that's something I've done differently this year. I think mm -hmm. about a day. You know, I'm involved at my church. We were just discussing, um, read through the Bible. We're talking about um, Exodus and Leviticus. We're talking about the day for um, Hebrews and Jews starts at sundown. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so to me, when I'm going to bed, it's funny, I was thinking a lot about us talking today and I was washing my sheets. I just happened to be washing my sheets. <laughs> okay. And so I said, I love the feel of when I climb into bed, the feel of clean sheets. It's the best. On the bed is the it's best. It's the best because they're all nice and tight. Yes. They haven't like gotten all hundred percent. I'm totally with you on that. I had a new visual today of when I climb into bed, it's the beginning of the day. Mm -hmm. Right, this is not the end of the day, this is the beginning of my new day. Wow. Oh. And that feeling of climbing in bed, it's a great feeling, and mm -hmm. every day can be a good day. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. when we talk about yep. what's a good day, what's a bad day, mm -hmm. every day is good mm -hmm. for the most part. The bad mm -hmm. part is how I responded to things that weren't pleasant for me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so interesting you say that because Bruce, we pray every morning together, yeah. and he always says he starts with, <clears throat> like, pardon the pun, religiously, <laughs> yeah. he starts with the same line. Thank you, Lord, for a good day today. Yeah. And for so long, I was like, dude, the day's just start. Like, we don't know it's going to be a good day. Like, yeah. it just started. But yeah. um, but I finally caught his vision yeah. of just saying, it's, it is, we're here. It's yeah. a good day. Why why can't it be a good day? Yeah. You know? And I So I really came to, like, appreciate that he was started off by that. Because I usually, when I would, like, pray with the kids when they were younger, I would say, thank you for a good day today. Like, like yeah. it happened. Yeah. You know? But, yeah. you know, I, good I, I like am convinced this. that it is the going forward every day yeah. has a potential. Mm -hmm. I can make it what it is. Mm -hmm. um, That's right. Yeah. And I know you and I both listen to Dab, Daily Audio Bible. I do. I and do. Brian always says at the beginning of a new week, yeah. welcome to a shiny, sparkly new week. It's funny because <laughs> I haven't listened to it this year. I listened to it last year and I always kind of peter out about a third of the way through the year. <laughs> And is Tell listening to them, and and I just uh, oh yeah, but she's listening, and we we um, we chuckle at his um, just his you know his nuances, yes. for lack of a better way, he's yes. got a, a really sweet way about him, yeah. Um, and so we enjoyed listening to him, and yeah. So you're right, he does shiny, that. sparkly yeah. new day, yeah. new week. You know, yeah. I love that. Yeah. You know, you picture just everything clean and new, and why not? And yeah. I I like how you. That's so cool. I have to. I'm gonna be thinking about that. Like you start your day when you go to bed because of yeah. the Jewish reference of yeah. starting it in yeah, the evening. That's sundown. cool. Yeah. yeah. So although I don't go to bed at seven, I'm you know I'm older, <laughs> but I'm not that old. Um, although we're getting close to it. Yeah, I do. When I sit down, it's like yeah. oh, today's the beginning of a new day, and it's mm -hmm. every day is like it should be like me climbing into bed with new fresh sheets. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. I'm definitely going to be thinking about both of those things. Yeah. And speaking of like time and, and purpose, um, with all of these changes in your life, it looks like you have some new roles now in your life. Yeah. So it was, um, I retired and I said, well, certainly I've got half a brain or at least a quarter of one. I'm in my mid-50s. 
certainly I could do something. Mm-hmm. And I looked at a whole bunch of different things, and I've got my little Indeed feeds, and you know, some of it's just been on what uh, the filters put into it. I was like, no, nah, couldn't do that, couldn't do that, couldn't do that, couldn't do that. We talked a little bit about things that um, are just more for fun and yeah. self fulfillment. Um, writing, exploring that. Yeah, which we all need. Which we do need. I am really pleased with that side of my brain. I'm starting to activate that. Mm-hmm. Because you're writing. I'm, or I'm definitely writing. I come in, I'm trying to learn to play the guitar. So just... Cool. Electric or acoustic? Acoustic. Ryan has an old one. And nice. so I'll just, I'll try that. And I'm way, way, way in the early stages. Nice. Of, you know, knowing a few chords and strum patterns. And so... Yeah. It's a joyful noise. I enjoy it. Uh, Does everyone else around you enjoy it? But I really like it. So I have fun doing it. It's, hey, it could be. You're not learning the drums or the no, trumpet. So, you no, know. Exactly. Guitar is exactly. great. I'll wait till Ann's doing her own thing upstairs or out doing her own thing. And then I'll just, yeah. I'll just kind of strum along for, That's cool. for all the time. Doing that and trying to write some. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so purpose, I would have thought, hey... I thought when I retired, why do I need to be beholden to an idea when I was 12 of what to do with my life? Mm-hmm. And why do I need to wrap myself around this doctrine? You know, certainly there's some other good things in, within that context that I could do. And I still think there are, but an opportunity came about. Um, so by 2022, probably May or so, an old partner of mine, medical partner of mine, he and I worked together in the same clinic for a long period of time. He had transitioned to a clinic called a cancer survivorship clinic, which is no longer being a primary care doctor, but using some of those skills to help people who have had cancer in their follow-up treatments, um, screening for recurrence, screening for other cancers, and then lending, you know, so it's a, you know, when you see patients, you go through what treatment did they have? How are we going to screen to make sure you don't have a recurrence? So if it's a woman with breast cancer, mm-hmm. we talk about uh, making sure she's got mammography. Mm-hmm. Does her particular, his, you know, if it's a guy with other cancers, does that put him at risk for other second cancers? Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's GI, colon cancer, but just going through the, mm-hmm. okay, we can't forget about the rest of our body. Right. Um, so making sure that, um, looking at the treatment that they had and say, well, you know, you had a chemotherapy, for instance, that could affect your heart. Let's make sure we stay on top of that. Mm-hmm. You had radiation and that could affect you in certain ways. Wow. So looking at how the ramifications of treatment, how that affects people. And then let's also look at the what we do in primary care. Make sure you're up to date on vaccinations. Make sure you're up to date on other um, your regular medical issues. Mm-hmm. Um, is this kind of a newer service? I don't know that I've heard much about it. So it has been in the works. Um, it's probably been around maybe 10, 15 years. It started at the hospital system I'm working at is the first system I've worked at. Uh, mm-hmm. When I left there in 2018, I said, shut the door, I'm never coming back. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, here I am. Never say never, there. right? Never mm-hmm. say never. So yeah, they've been around eight, nine years. Um, I think as a feature for clinic for uh, cancer care, it's been maybe a little bit longer, but it is on that newer. Mm-hmm. And in fact, a representative of the U.S. House just um, submitted a... Uh, uh, legislature in December, which really addresses all that cancer yeah. survivorship, and so you there may be more to come when people hear about it. But I know at least in Charlotte, it's something that's available. This so. is such a needed and wonderful service. Yeah, I think it's um, it was a really you know by that time when Tom called me in probably May, 
I'd been home for maybe seven, eight months. Um, I hadn't found that magic elixir to say, here's what I'm going to do with my days mm-hmm. um, every day. It was an opportunity to get back and talk to people, talk yeah. to patients, um, which was great. It was part-time, which is even better. It's two yeah. days a week. And so it was, and I'm not replacing, you know, as I, I want to be sensitive to my previous role as a primary care doctor. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to replace what they do mm-hmm. by any stretch. Mm-hmm. The fact that I, you know, I think stepping into that, things that I think may help me fit that would be one, I've been a primary care doctor. And so I know, mm-hmm. you know, if you've got a lot of things going on, sometimes things may not draw the attention of your primary care doc. Two, I've had cancer. Yeah. Um, and it really has been, other than it's, I had to step into the office of the building where I had all my radiation parked in the same parking lot. Just the reminder of, that constant reminder of, hey, you've had cancer, here's where your treatments were. Mm-hmm. It wasn't flashback or PTSD, but it was a, I had, it was took some getting used yeah. to. It's probably helped me in thinking about my follow-up since, oh, this is my place of work. It's no longer my place of where I'm worried about cancer. Right. You know, when I have my appointments. That's probably a bit healing for you. Yeah, to rewrite the script. Yeah. Of that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah rewrite my when my brain and I, you know, yeah. my my the movie starts playing in my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard for me to get out of the ditch sometimes. Sure. sure. Yeah. Speaking of that, does this service provide any type of mental health counseling to go along with cancer survivors? Yeah, it does. So when I see a patient, um, and they don't necessarily have to come to me to to receive it. Oncologists can make a referral. Primary care doctors can make the referral. They do have a psychological department. They have a psychiatric department, you know, counseling wow. versus medication. Um, there's a rehab department. There's a senior oncology, so they focus specifically on some seniors who are going through uh, geriatric assessments. Mm. They have palliative care, people struggling with pain. They do have a hospice service. There's a rehab center. Um, they've got music therapy. They've got Tai Chi. They've got acupuncture. Whoa. I'm sure I'm missing something in there. It is. It's That's phenomenal. That's incredible. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Um, wow. So part of my job is hopefully mm. making sure people who should mm. know about mm-hmm. it can mm-hmm. hear about it. You know, having lost my mom at six, I was sixteen. She was forty-four from yeah. breast cancer. The way that I have come to make men's amends with that is, I look at it as her story was part of the research. Mm. And data yeah. that helps people today. Yeah, that's probably I, a really good way of looking at it. Yeah, because I, I hear all of these things and I'm like, golly, you know, it would have been so great to have that for her. It was in the 80s, nothing like that remotely, you know, existed. But because of her and people like her, it exists yeah. today. Yeah. And I feel like she's a bit of a, you know, of a hero to, to yeah. have paved the way you kind of paid it know? forward without Absolutely. specifically knowing you're doing that but mm-hmm. you know, and so who knows you know yeah. whether my work or my own personal story with cancer mm-hmm. something within it may pay that forward down the road but i think you're Absolutely. right there's a lot of that yeah. we don't have that magic eight ball or the crystal ball to know what's going to lie 20 25 years mm-hmm. from now yeah yeah but you know things will change yeah well i yeah. do say that you know Today's never been a better time to be alive for medical stuff. I mean, like, right about the advances that. Yeah. are like, yeah. they're only getting better and more. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. that's, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And you have a new role at church, right? Um, so role at church, I kind of revisiting a previous role. I was, um, I guess, the leader ahead of our men's ministry. So I go to a local Methodist church um, where I've been going for 20 years and um, had been very involved with the men's ministry um, COVID really put a damper on all the activities, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
beginning last year, early 2022, was asked by the lay leader, hey, would you would you want to step back in in that role? Mm-hmm. You know, the person who had been doing it for a few years and, you know, time to pass the baton. Mm-hmm. And I said, gosh, yeah, I've, I've Love trying to serve men and trying to serve in any way, shape, or, or form. Mm-hmm. And so just, you know, bring my own personality to that. Yeah, that's great. It's fun. It's and, a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. And then something totally different, ESL? Yeah, so when I got back, we'll talk, I think, a little bit about a walk, uh, yeah. a walk in the park that we took. But um, um, came back from Spain in September, and just the... The fact that I got to meet so many people from so many different cultures mm-hmm. was fantastic. And so, and I'd, I'd thought about um, English as second language and knew we offered it at our church, didn't know much about how to teach it. Um, I'm not a, that is one of my biggest fears, probably dying in a fire, <laughs> um, getting really awful diabetes, and being a teacher would be my top three fears. Really? I'd, well, I learned something new today about oh you. Oh, gosh. I, the whole thought of standing in front of people and trying to teach is just, Really? Yeah. Even though as a doctor, you're an educator. Yeah, you know? really uncomfortable okay. with. And, and the only okay. one time I've done it was in front of a bunch of ninth graders. And just you picked a hard audience. <laughs> yeah, well, someone asked me when I go and talk about medicine. And so I was comfortable with the topic, but just yeah. the... I don't know. I've, I've, that has not been in my uh, my wheelhouse mm-hmm. by any stretch, but was able to join in with a very, very nice lady. She was kind to bring me in and called me her assistant. Um, I'm not sure how much I helped, but it's been a real treat to meet. I mean, we've now got 17 in her class. Yeah. So it's fun. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Because, frankly, a lot of people could take their cancer journey and really get lost in it Mm. and it looks like you have found a map of your own kind of the way through it using opportunities like this to keep going forward that next step forward so how would you feel like this new work opportunity the volunteer opportunities how have they helped you through your cancer journey and with your mental health as well with all of that if you don't mind me asking you don't have to answer anything no i don't i I will say that my mental health right now is better than it has been i struggled with it in 2022 Uh, there are a lot of things going on both with cancer and just a lot going on that there were times it was a real struggle Um, and so i think this has really been a very good opportunity to um, look forward. I feel great. Uh, if I didn't look at numbers and look at an x-ray, you know, you're great. And I, you know, again, I, I joke, you know, I hit from the ladies' tees on golf. I maybe feel a little bit of effects of the medicine, but not mm-hmm. much. I overall feel great. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it has been a really good place for a good purpose. And maybe bring in a different perspective or an additional perspective mm-hmm. into that workspace that I think is going to benefit others. Oh, completely. I hope so. The fact that you've yeah. been there, done that, yeah. for lack of a better way to say that. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, for sure. <clears throat> and I feel like like when we, I always tell my kids this, like when we're down, one of the best things that you can do is to go help somebody else. Yeah. I mean, it cannot, it's a win-win for both. Yeah. And I just feel like when they're having a bad day, I'm like, go do something nice for somebody. <laughs> and I tell myself that too. And I think it helps. Well, it's funny because I think we shared this with you, but um, we'll talk about walking the Camino. But on that walk, um, leading up to that, and the, your audience may know the Camino, but if they don't, it's simply a pilgrimage 
um, that walk that you walk into a city in uh, northwest Spain called Santiago de Compostela, and people use it as a spiritual journey. They use it for simply exercise and reconnecting with friends. Part of that where I had struggled was just feeling burdened and just a lot of emotional and just all the things that had gone on and other things mixed in there and just had focused on, you know, when I was doing my reading, you know, Matthew 11, 28 through 30 is, you know, come to me who are weary and hand me your burdens and um, my yoke is light. And I always read that part and I said, that's great. And then in between, I had always missed the, and learned from me because I'm gentle. Mm. Um, I just lost over that and I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. I need to learn to be more gentle. I didn't need that passage for me to know that, but um, it was a really just another slap in my face. And I'd focused on that a lot before traveling, mm-hmm. knowing I had probably embedded some of my self-worth and some of the things, the doing, you know, it was kind of cliche to say we're not human doings, we're human beings. Mm-hmm. And so, but yeah. you put your self-worth into a lot of the doing. I'm a doctor, I'm, yeah. you know, or I'm a dad, but I'm raising kids and all the things that you do and the results oriented traps and just was emotionally really down in spite of being with my three best friends um just was down at that some of that and i remember we were walking uh from one city called Cotas de Reyes into a town called Pedron and walked through there and as i'm walking my two other buddies who i'm with they're about 50 yards ahead of me and it really was a sensation that Christ was just around Mm -hmm. and you know I heard him in my heart say you know Mike I'm with you and I said do you love me and he said Mike I love you so much Mm. and I said really you know if it's a sin to doubt him I'm not doubting I just you know I was in a position where I need reassurance and he said Mike I love you so much and I said, really? He said, Mike, I've loved you from the, before you were born, as you were in your mom's womb, every day of your life, and I'll love you for your on out. I'll love mm-hmm. you so much for every day. And I just started crying as I'm walking. And sure. I said, um, gosh, you know, I, there are times when I can get into a deep hole of thoughts about a lot of different things in my life. I'd love to hear that. He said, mm-hmm. Mike, I, you know, I can't, I can't promise I'll always walk with, you know, always make you feel that I'm with you in a field. But if you really want to know where I am and feel me, you're going to be with other people who are in need. Mm-hmm. You know, love your neighbor and you'll find me. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we're talking about, you know, yeah. just reaching out to other people. Yeah. yeah. He's there. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry for the sidetrack, but that is. No, no, no. talking about talk, telling your kids and, yeah. you know, working with other people. Absolutely. So that was a, a big emotional lesson going forward as well. Yeah, sure, yeah. sure. And speaking of the El Camino, yeah. you decided to do this with your friends before your diagnosis or during or after? Or what, what point did you go, I know I've got cancer, but I'm going to do this too? Yeah, so I've got three men who are my best. I call them my boyfriend. Someone told me I should call them my friend boys. But um, guys, I have been... If you want to say accountability partners, mm-hmm. we meet every Friday. I met with them this morning. Mm-hmm. We met every Friday for about an hour, and we walk mm-hmm. through life together and our struggles, and, and we each have our own little paths. And we've doing it. One fellow I've been with for twenty years now. The other is for about ten. And right after my cancer um, surgery, 
in 21, one of the guys, his name's Rich. Rich says, I know what we need to do. We need to do the Camino. And we're other, we're like, what the world is that? And so we quickly learned what <laughs> yeah. it was. I had not heard of it. Yeah. Um, and so it's probably September, September, October of 2021 that we would go in September of 2022. So we prepared emotionally, mm-hmm. spiritually, physically. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You, know, was, you read a book, right? I did. Yeah. There's a there's an important book. It was called the um, the Art of Pilgrimage. Mm-hmm by an author, Phil Costineau, and the four of us read it together. We read other books, but that was probably the one that was most mm-hmm. impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it talked about the longing, you feel the longing, you know, whether it's a spiritual longing or just knowing that I need to recenter, I need to get back to visiting who I'm supposed to be mm-hmm. and feeling that call mm-hmm. and just that preparation of, I need to get away from everything that's surrounding me now. Yeah. I need to put myself in silence. I need to put myself in solitude. and need mm-hmm. to find out more about who I am. Yeah. Um, it reminds me a lot, whenever I think of recalibrating, resetting, re- yeah. I think about whenever I'm using GPS yeah. and I'm yeah. kind of like, and I'm scrolling, like how, how long is this red line of traffic or when is that next turn? And then you can hit that recenter button. Yeah. It just goes, you know, and puts you right back to where you are. Yeah. That's how I look at how nice it is to have opportunities that we have to really carve out and make because life's not just going to, you know, hand them to you as a gift. Yeah, they're say, not. I got to do this. Yeah, and we're all fortunate enough financially to be in a position where we could afford it. And one of the fellows is my pastor. The other was works for a bank and he had some time available. The other is retired. So we were all in a position mm-hmm. where we, uh, we had that opportunity to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting that that y'all went together because I was reading on on the internet. It's a blog called Hike the Way, and it said that there's top five reasons for people who walk the Camino de Santiago. Yeah. Um, so the El Camino, I guess. Mm-hmm. So there's five routes, I think, and and they vary in length. Like yeah. the longest one is like 800 miles. Yeah. yeah so I th- and there, I think there are even more than five, but um, okay. no, there are five very common ones. The okay. longest is a, um, I think a, it's from the French Pyrenees Mountains and goes to Santiago, which is either 800 miles or kilometers. Nonetheless, it's a long way. And there's another northern Spain path. We t- there are two very commonly uh, travel paths in Portugal, which mm-hmm. I think coastal started in Portugal and walked up the coast mm-hmm. of Spain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so they do differ for people who want to use it as a marker. I did this, which is, it is great. That's an achievement. Um, there's a certificate that you can get in the, uh, the Church of St. James, and you had to have traveled at least 100 kilometers mm-hmm. uh, or on your bike uh, for 200 mm-hmm. kilometers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we end up walking 163 kilometers, which is 100 miles. Yeah. And we did that over a, a week's time. So, That's impressive. Yeah. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a, um, we're all fairly active. And so, you know, the first day that we walked was 19 miles. And, you know, that was a... That's nothing a, small, man. Yeah, by the end of it, we, I think we were all tired. Yeah. Um, and wondering, huh, we've got, yeah. I think, 14 tomorrow. But it was, you know, you take your time, you mm-hmm. stop and chat. But uh, yeah, yeah. it was just yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Well, this Hike the Way article talked about um, the top five reasons. It says one is spiritual reasons because it's a religiously uh, historical pilgrimage to the tomb of St. James. Yeah. And then exercise and well-being uh, for physical effort and challenge. Another one is adventure. The fourth one's disconnect to reconnect, like we talked about, and mm-hmm. then fun. So 
would you say you're a sum of all of those or mainly one or two? I think probably four of the five. Exercise, I can probably get my exercise elsewhere too. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, oh my gosh, I never exercise and therefore I need an incentive to do mm-hmm. it. it. It was great that it is exercising. Certainly adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, I travel abroad but never to Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, it was definitely fun. And I think it was just more, on, I don't want to say a whim, but it was Rich who brought it up, said, we need to do something fun together. Mm-hmm. We need an adventure together. And then it became very much a spiritual pilgrimage for yeah. us. Yeah. Because it sounds like uh, as a group, you were looking for the fun and adventure and yeah. all of that. And your your personal inspiration became what? Like when you're packing your bag and you're getting ready to go, like what is what is making your heart excited about this? Oh gosh! Um, so as I'm as we've led up to it, I would have already read the book about it. Yeah, it was the getting a chance to share you know, seven days walking, and we were in Lisbon and Porto for uh, part of the week before with my best friends. Mm. I mean, the men who. You know, again, it's cliche to say my two, my two a.m. friends. If anything happens, I know who I'm calling at two a.m. Yeah, those are guys I'm, my life depends on mm-hmm. on them. Mm-hmm. So just spending time with them, growing mm-hmm. with them, certainly hoping to meet the Lord along the way, mm-hmm. anticipating I would. Mm-hmm. Excited that you know part of our adventure and part of our um, in reading was the find something as a memento of gratitude. Um, I didn't know what I would take. Yeah. I had some thoughts, um, but I didn't take anything. So I'll find and think about something on the way, which I did. But just interested in what the other guys might uh, might uh, bring along. Um, I happened to, along the way, figure, I'm going to find a small little pocket mirror, a compact mirror. Um, Why is that? Because I, when I look in the mirror sometimes, there are a lot of things I don't like. You know, mm-hmm. when it was, I hope this is a trip, a walk, a journey, pilgrimage where I can release some of those. Mm. And so it's just that self-reflection that mm. I'm looking at. It's like, huh, there's some things I need to get rid of. Symbolically. Symbolically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. that was that was mine, and I was excited to find it. We found, I found, um, went to a, gosh, it was a, um, I forget the names. I, I have a daughter, and so I should remember one of the little, as a teenage girl's, Boutique that would sell the costume jewelry and whatnot. Uh-huh. Claire's boutique, I think. There's Claire's. Yeah, yeah. there was Claire's. <laughs> yeah. there, there, it was just like that, but we happened to be in okay. whichever. Sounds like whichever. there's not the Claire's there, right? <laughs> no, there was not. It was the you know the Algarda, Spain's mm-hmm. version of Claire's. Yeah. Um, so I you know, bought that. One of my buddies, Rich, decided he was going to bring a sunflower, and it was a reflection of. And he brought sunflower seeds with him. Mm-hmm. And his idea was, I'm going to plant seeds along the way, and I'm going to find a flower. And so it's that journey of from seed to flower, that maturation. Well, that's beautiful. And just that beautiful. And I'm leaving something behind that'll be a beauty as well. Yeah. For the um, next sojourner. Yeah. It's very cool. And so on the last day, the seventh day that we're walking, or the eighth day that we're walking, so we're wake up and we still haven't found any sunflowers. And... You, there are little markers along the way of the Camino. There's a little scallop shell, and it has below it on the little um, uh, marker, it'll say how many kilometers you're away. We got to be six kilometers. We saw and found Rich Light. <laughs> my other friend, Kyle, said, you know, we're going to find a flower store. Nope, we're going to find one on the way. We make a turn, and there's a little path that we're walking down, a little house on the right, 
the woman's outside and she has a sunflower garden to the left. No. And we just say, I knew Ingrid, I knew we'd find one. Wow. He she didn't he speaks a little broken Spanish and she speaks only Spanish and but he was able to convey, can I have one of your sunflowers? Um, wow. Got it. And That's- that's yeah. great. So yes. we kind of we walked into mm-hmm. Santiago, found the Church of St. James. We take a tour, and at the bottom, the uh, in the crypts, there's the um, you know where St. James supposedly is buried. And mm-hmm. I left my mirror, and he left his sunflower. Really? And we just left it right at the uh, at that altar. Is that what people do? There's I didn't see a whole lot of it. No. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was a little so that's su- special. A little then. surprise. Yeah. So it was. Um, wow. Yeah. So that was. Um, I'm glad I'm brought to the altar, if you will, yeah. what I did. And Rich, I know, was very pleased at you know, God's faithfulness mm-hmm. of knowing that he's going to provide. Mm-hmm. He always does. Mm-hmm. And he provided mm-hmm. a sunflower. It's the only one we saw along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you left, the only one you found along the way. Well, wow, that's, yeah, that's, that's 163 kilometers, crazy. and it got down to six kilometers. He's like, I know we're going to find one. And sure enough, we did. Wow. Yeah. So you left your mirror. Yeah. Did you leave the things that went with the mirror? Do you feel like you came home oh, a little lighter? I, I think, I hope, you know, that might be a question better answered by my family, friends. <laughs> okay. Um, I think it was the hope to be more gentle, mm. which I think I am. Mm. You know, I, I feel more gentle. I feel more uh, grounded. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a passion for serving, um, I think, was reinvigorated. Mm-hmm. So I think those things, some of the other personal things that I was struggling mm-hmm. with, I think I left part of those there as well. That still can be a, a contest for me, but I mm-hmm. think we I do much better. At, um, we all have we all have stuff, mm-hmm. and I think I left a, some of it back there. Yeah. I brought some back. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like you really grew from it. I hope so. What would be like? Um, I'm thinking like what's the most like challenging or unexpected moment that you had? Because um, those are a lot of growth points. It's usually you know not growth doesn't have a whole lot in the comfort. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, there was a part of that book also reminded, hey, things are going to go wrong, and be prepared for that. Sure. Um, and so the three men and myself, um, as we were sitting in Porto, Portugal, getting ready, one of the fellas had been in Europe for uh, for the week before visiting his daughter, who's studying abroad. And as we're sitting in Porto, his he had had a stomach bug that just continued, and he had to go. Oh. And so we prepared for a year, and he couldn't oh. make the trip with us. And again, you try to make a light of it and say, "Well, it just means oh. we're going to have to go back," which yeah. we will. Yeah. Which we, we will. But it would have been it was yeah. very disappointing for him, and oh. we were disappointed for him. And after with, a year of planning it, yeah, yeah, that stinks. So that part was was something. Um, mm. The recognition of being in direct community with your friends twenty four seven. I'm mm-hmm. sure provided them a challenge for being around me. Um, I think we all learn our little, I like the word nuances, that's uh-huh. a euphemism. We yeah. learn the things about people mm-hmm. that you don't pick up on seeing them once a week for right. an hour. Right, right, right. Um, they're like, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> um, just different, just different ways of doing things. And it's all different good. When you're living it's together. All good. Yeah, it's all good. So it wasn't as much of a challenge. It was just more yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, physically, maybe challenging, particularly the first day. Hmm. I think to me, those were, we had good accommodations. Had we stayed at albergues, which are hostels, that might have added more. We chose the kinder way to a mid 50 and 60 year old mm. people of, okay we're going to have hotel rooms yeah 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 not one. share a bathroom with not share a bathroom. yeah so we're just uh-huh. going to do that i would love to go back and stay in the hostels mm. um, i think that's something i want to do yeah 
Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I've uh, stayed sure. in a couple. They're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we had very good experiences. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Yeah. And you talked about uh, the moment where Jesus showed up to talk yeah. to you about how he loves you. And yeah. um, I would guess that's one of your most memorable moments. Um, yeah. Are there any other ones? So there were a lot of really good things on that place. I'll remember certainly the people. You know, one day we met people from six different continents. Um, we kept a track of how many countries represented by people we met and spoke with. It was 29. Wow, um, 29 different countries yeah, all on that walk. That's great. All on that great. walk in seven days. And just the conversations with people's history. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a young man. He was in his early 30s, Antonio. He was from outside Madrid, a town called Malaga. And we walked together for about 45 minutes, and we... You know, we were sharing each other's lives, and he was telling me about him. He's got a girlfriend who lives in England, and what it's like to be dating for eight years and mm. living in Europe where marriage is not um, a natural thing. Mm. Um, he, at 31 years old, had been to one wedding. Mm. My son's 25 at that time and had been to probably 15 weddings, including wow. being in five of them. Um, wow. And so just different ways about it. And mm-hmm. we talked about faith. He happened to be walking with his, uh, his parents and reconnecting with them. He had changed from a career in engineering and was uh, in drama. His brother's an opera singer. So just learning about different people. And then he asked me, he said, well, tell me about you. And I told him my story. He asked about faith and he um, he said he was raised, as he said, Catholic or Catholic. And he asked about me. I said, well, I'm Protestant. He said, well, tell me about you Protestants. You guys do things. We talk a lot about your works, doing things for people. And we had been focusing on the book of James because we're going to the St. James. Santiago means St. James in Spanish. And um, I said, well, you know, it's interesting. You know, we're reading, we're going to St. James. The book of James in the Bible talks about, you know, faith without works is, is dead. But when we do works, it's not works out of gaining salvation. It's our works. Mm-hmm. It's just a, you know, coming, the Holy Spirit working through us. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a really good conversation mm. with that. Just the beauty of the place. It was one day I tried to pick a theme every day of something I'd focus on. One day it was just taking pictures of all the different flowers and trees and just the beauty of the place mm. was spectacular. Uh, but the whole experience of the food and the, the culture was great. The people were great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just was... I, I, I try not to... I want to be intentional about not worshiping that trip. Mm. Because if we go again, it'll be a completely different yeah. trip. Yeah. You know, it reminds me, you know, thinking about cancer and talking to people. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had my own journey, but it's my journey. Mm-hmm. And other people, mm-hmm. they have their own journey. I've got to learn one of the things I'm, I think I do better in coming back. So I could listen to people being a doctor of, okay, let me hear you in a, in, with a, with a, ear for how is that going to help me with your problem mm-hmm. but being present more in just conversations i think i grew in that yeah um, i had a call from my college roommate you know we were roommates for a couple of years and we'd stay in touch periodically every year or so he's got three kids he's a year younger he called me on last tuesday a week and a half ago and he said i've got a soft geo cancer oh no yeah yeah, I'm and sorry. so I, yeah, he texted it to me, and I, I said, do you have time for a call? And he said he did. Mm-hmm. And so we talked, we talked about 20 minutes, and just that lesson of being present for somebody, knowing the fear, you know, at least I experienced the mm-hmm. fear, mm-hmm. Um, knowing that esophageal cancer, his dad had died of a very similar cancer of his stomach, knowing that overlay, he's got three daughters, 
mm. the unknown. He had not had a scan yet at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Knowing that in similar fashion, albeit a different mechanism, I had a blood test that I could have responded to. He knows that, and he may have known it before, but he certainly knows now men and women, but particularly middle-aged white men, if you've had indigestion or reflux consistently, for several years, you should have an upper endoscopy when you have your mm-hmm. colonoscopy to screen for esophageal cancer. Mm-hmm. He said, Mike, I've had, I've had reflux since college. And I said, well, I know, I, I don't know if this will resonate with you. I know for me, I did a lot of beating myself up of over not acting more quickly or doing something different. Mm-hmm. You know, with the benefit of a retrospectoscope and looking in the rearview mirror, I could say, yeah, if I'd only done that, Mm-hmm. And I suspect that some days you may be thinking, particularly if the scans don't turn out well, gosh, if I'd only, if I'd only. Mm-hmm. I said, you can go down that path, but you're going to go down a rabbit hole, and when you come back up, you're right back where you are now. Yeah, um, that's so, true. So just trying to relay some of that, and I think better at listening things that I might say and things that might matter to me might not matter to somebody else and how they might respond to mm-hmm. what their needs are. Mm-hmm. and trying to just be present for them. Mm-hmm. I think I'm better at listening mm-hmm. to people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. On that note, <clears throat> like what advice would you give family and friends of someone battling cancer? Like do you, are there things just because of your own journey and experience, the do's and don'ts of like what to say or not say or timing or doing? So I, I, to me, I think I, I would, I'm never, it does not bother me for people to bring it up. I'm hardwired that way where I tend to be a little bit more extroverted. I tend to be a little bit more transparent than maybe your average person, but I'm fine when people do it. It it warms me to hear people ask, not just at a time where we happen to run into each other. Mm. Oh yeah, how's your cancer doing? Intentional. Being intentional about mm. reaching out. To me, it just, it just shows their heart. That you're on their mind. Yeah. Like that's... Yeah. It yeah. just... Just being nice, just thinking about people. Mm-hmm. So that's not a great insight, but that to me, that's I've had people who have been really intentional about doing that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's important. And so, you know, the people who come in my path, I try to be that way, and mm-hmm. I think I'm more sensitive to it. I think the the don't that I have felt this may seem weird, but it may not, because I've spoken with women, a friend of mine who had breast cancer. Um, I said, does it ever feel strange hurtful when somebody says oh it's going to be fine mm. i tell you christy that people you know if people if they want to know details i said well you know 50 percent of people die within five years and 50 percent of people die after five years oh you're going to be one of those after five mm-hmm. years well i might not mm-hmm. and it it complete to me it completely is a district and it's not intentional but I know what they want they sure. want they want the best for you they, sure but sometimes we say things with good intention and just it it, it might be met with an ear that huh, that's different and it's to me it disregards the anxieties or the worries that I have it says don't worry you don't have to worry because it's going to be fine that's how I hear it that's not what they're mm-hmm. saying mm-hmm. but it's how I hear it mm-hmm. and it's just one of those things that it's struck me as, gosh, I'm never going to, I'm not going to say without knowledge, yeah. Yeah. it's going to, it might not be. Right. And let's talk about, you know, what do you think about that? Right. Right. How is that, yeah. how is that hitting your spirit? How is that hitting you as a family? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And just again, trying to be more present in what they may be going through. And, you know, just so, and just because I say, and I'll say, oh, I'm not worried about this, it'll be fine. If you really know me, you'd say, really? Mm-hmm. Are you really, are you, I know you say you're good, mm-hmm. but how much do you worry about it? Mm-hmm. And I'd say, I don't worry, but I think about it. Yeah. A yeah. gazillion times a day. Well, absolutely. <clears throat> Can't speak for everybody, but I know sometimes, you know, we, we say stuff because we don't know what to say. Yeah, yeah. You're or right that. we're kind of caught off guard, maybe not prepared. Like if I run into someone in the grocery store, yeah. didn't plan on that. Yeah. You know, and I think sometimes people have different thresholds of what they can talk about. Yeah. And maybe if they've had a loved one or themselves, they've had it's just too, yeah, too, too much, raw. Yeah. too raw. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and so I've been working on, like, I, I don't ever say it'll be okay. Cause what yeah. do I, what do I know? Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I wonder if it's better to say nothing at all than that. What, what is your thought? Yeah. I th- to me, I would uh, maybe receive it or hear it better if somebody didn't say anything mm-hmm. and say, when you're open to it. I'd love to sit down and hear how you're managing that. Mm-hmm. It's funny you say that because I have a new, a new, uh, what's the word? A new way I approach what I call convenient questions or convenient conversations. <clears throat> Things that you didn't expect, a conversation you didn't expect to have. Yeah. Whether you see someone passing in the street or, you know, at wherever. And um, even just coming out of a movie theater or whatever, <clears throat> you're like, oh, hey, you know. I don't like the convenient questions. How's it going? Yeah. Or they'll, even if they know a little bit, they'll say like, well, how's this? And so I've been practicing something and and Bruce actually noticed it. And he, he was like, I saw, I saw what you did there. And so what I'm starting to say is I really appreciate you asking. It's, it's kind of complicated. And I know this probably isn't like the right time for this, but I'd love to get together. If you want to catch up, I'd love to hear how it's going with you. I'd love to fill you in on how it's going with us or me or whatever. And, and, and I would love that if you're up to it or have time. And in that way, it's like the person gets to ask that kind of like obligatory like i know i should probably ask about this sure but but maybe there's 30 seconds or maybe i don't really want to know the answer i don't know what to do with the answer or what you know i don't know what i'm going to say if he says something to me like all of that anxiety you know that kind of locks us down so instead just kind of like i'm gently just saying i really appreciate you asking and i would love to talk about it do you have time this week yeah perfect that's just because it, it allows it just uh, it makes space for mm-hmm. what that whatever the topic might be mm-hmm. what that deserves mm-hmm. yep. right yeah and so you're the other hand if somebody says you know if somebody tells you something if somebody tells me something and I'd, I'd like to think I'd say gosh you know I'm sorry I'm sorry for you and whatever hurt it might be causing you I'm sorry I don't mm-hmm. have right now time mm-hmm. to devote to the mm-hmm. you know what what needs to be talked about yeah can we Make yeah. time for that. Yeah. It's funny you're talking about just the uh, kind of the uh, the silly questions or, you know, hey, how you doing? Uh, one of the things I've learned um, or witnessed and brought back and I do this regularly, when we were walking, my buddy Rich, he would say, hey, how are you? We'd be walking by somebody, either they're passing us or passing them, or we'd say I'm in a hotel, hey, how are you doing? And they'd say, I'm, yeah, I'm doing well, or I'm fine. He'd say, you know, I'm really happy that you're doing well. Mm. And it was just given a, you know, just a recognition. I heard you, mm-hmm. and I'm happy for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And mm -hmm. I was like, that was a really sweet way of mm -hmm. saying it with maybe a little bit underneath the la layers yes. of just kind of, you know, superficiality of just saying, I see you as a person. Mm -hmm. I'm happy for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, we might not pass, cross paths again. Yeah. At least on our walk, we, we might or might not. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah it was a, a really a sweet way of just um, interacting, a very, mm -hmm. you know, very brief interaction with people. Would you say it's fair to say that um, sometimes if someone has, you know, well, good intentions, mm -hmm. that maybe it's not the best time for that question? So, for instance, I've come to the recent realization that uh, it's, it's not always a good time to bring something up again the convenient conversation just because someone's standing in front of you it's like okay wait a minute i i probably think we're going to be talking for like three minutes here mm. but they just went right to the bullseye mm. out of genuine concern mm -hmm. but then this means i opened that box in my heart yeah. and i now have two and a half minutes yeah. to talk about like the most sensitive or whatever it is going on emotional whatever and then and it's like you start to pour your heart out and then that window of time yeah it goes away yeah and and, and then i'm left there standing like well i feel awful now like i just i now how do i put all this back in the box and, yeah. and like that's it's hard so i i'm kind of really trying to now avoid that when i see people that i'm genuinely happy to see yeah. instead of going in for the kill you know instead i'm like gosh it's really good to see you i would love to catch up i'm sure we have a lot yeah. to talk about yeah and, yeah i think that's a, a really good way if somebody comes I'd like to have a my 30 second elevator speech prepared of if somebody comes right to the heart of how are you doing I know you have metastatic cancer how are things going mm -hmm. and I'm on my way doing something they are mm -hmm. we're just passing it you know that's a there's a little you know there's as every journey is that's got a lot of layers to it mm -hmm. in short I'm doing well I feel well um, but let's grab lunch sometime because it's been a while since we've caught up yeah 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 because either the giver or the receiver just may not. And if someone's asking out of just kindness and concern, yeah. but maybe not thinking we're going to go 10 levels down, yeah. an over answer might be like, whoa, yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't know what to do with what you just said. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> which is why I think a lot of people just avoid yeah. you know, yeah. it all together, which is sad because conversations are good. Yeah. With this new approach I'm having, by saying, you know, I'd really rather not text about it, or mm -hmm. I'd, I'd, I'd love to talk more, but it's kind of complicated. You know, could we... I've had, like, four different amazing, like, one-on-ones in the last, like, week and a half. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Just because of these spontaneous people I saw. Yeah. And I have valued and treasured that time with them now. One of them was just today. Mm. She brought breakfast over to the house and we sat on the back porch and just sat together and like had deep and meaningful conversation. I know she loves me, but seeing her sporadically for half a second, it's just, that's not the time, you no, know, place. It, does, it doesn't do service to yeah. your friendship. Your yeah. history together. Mm -hmm. yeah, you don't mm -hmm. need to carve out time. I'm glad you've been able to find that way to 
to connect with people. That's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. good. So you, so you're saying you do appreciate, you know, people acknowledging that, oh, that you're on this journey. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 What are any other like for everyone else, like like me, like what do you what can we say? What can we not say? Anything else? Any mm-hmm. advice? Because mm-hmm. I know everybody's different, but yeah. maybe there's some general things. I think the. Um, if, if you've had a personal contact, whether it's family, friend, you know, everybody's journey is different. And so if you had, your mom had cancer, you know, to me it would, oh, I, my mom had that, she did well. To me, that's not offered me anything in how I'm approaching it, right? And so, again, that may be really, really simplistic, but it's a be mindful of just because you have something in your past doesn't mean it'll necessarily apply Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. that and just say, you know, to me it would be, I've had some experience with that attention, how you're going to approach it. Do you feel like if someone says that it kind of hijacks it like a little bit like from you, like, okay, now we're going to talk about me. Yeah. I think maybe, maybe some of that hijacking or, Again, not allowing for the space to say it's kind of the same. If somebody says oh, you're going to do fine, I, I just think that people aren't intentionally selfish, but they're just not as aware of other people. The raw emotion that comes with mm-hmm. I'm walking this journey, it's mine. I'm not mm-hmm. being selfish with it, but it is my journey, and mm-hmm. I'm dealing with it with the best way I can. Yeah. Um, and just because you had that, that's great. I'm interested in here. You know, I'm glad if it had a good outcome. I'm really, I'm happy for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe if there were some lessons you could lean, here's what, you know, mom or dad mm-hmm. or whomever, mm-hmm. whatever issues they had to deal with, boy, you know, boy, that treatment was hard for them. Is that treatment hard for you or yeah. you know, whatever is applicable yeah. for what they met in the past? That's good. Yeah. Turn it back to how are you, how do you see things? Yeah. Just learning more about people and their own way of yes. dealing with things. And people, I think, will let you know pretty quickly no this is not a conversation I want to have mm-hmm. it'll be a very quick short mm-hmm. that was good mm-hmm. and out of self-preservation it kind of helps uh, to just be mindful of knowing like who how can I say this like I I know someone who needs things short and to the point they yeah. just they just don't they can't they don't right. not not personal right they just don't want the detail yeah. you know so you just kind of go for the punchline and, yes. and realizing that's their threshold. If you've been, you know, people talk about love languages and how they respond, mm-hmm. and that's a little bit more about how they give to others, but um, their personality, if they are short, sweet, to the point, and I don't want to get into any emotional conversation, if mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's in their history just mm-hmm. because they now have something, if it's cancer, doesn't mean they necessarily have changed Mm-hmm. Their, uh, you know, their fabric. They may still be that way. And don't be offended or hurt if they don't want to go into a lot of that. Even if you've had an emotional yeah. journey with a family member, yeah. that's just who they are. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I think I'm hearing, if I'm hearing correctly, that you, you want the reach outs, you want the care, the concern. Just be sensitive to the bigger picture, what's happening around the time you've got the space you've got to talk in and <clears throat> kind of let that drive the conversation. I think that works for me. Yeah. I'm an expert on me. <laughs> right. I, I would uh, agree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would absolutely agree. Yeah, I, I like a friend of mine who says, you know, I'm not all that important, but I'm the only, it's the main thing I think about. <laughs> right. I'm not that important, but I think about myself all the time. Yeah. Well, 
You know, um, gotta go <laughs> watch your six. Like, yeah. you gotta, so you're the only one that can live your life. So <laughs> exactly. So yeah. I know what how I responded to different people's mm-hmm. um, questions, mm-hmm. actions. Yeah. Um, yeah. So kind of combining the cancer journey with the El Camino journey. Yeah. What kind of a correlation would you say that those have? Because, um, like I had said earlier, I, you know, knowing you as well as I do, I feel like you've had like these multiple tracks, these parallel like these trains yeah. all running. But if you like take a bird's eye view of like a train yard, yeah. and they're all just like spaghettied, all the tracks, yeah. like all of these have to be intersecting somehow. They do. Your, I, I your remember, retirement, everything. Yeah. So everything has jumbled. I remember listening to a sermon of a pastor I really enjoy listening to. He's in Arizona. And he talked about, he used the analogy of um, roller coasters, and he says, you know, life is not either you're going up on a roller coaster or going down, you're on parallel tracks. And this, the roller coaster of joy is running at the same time as the roller coaster of sorrow. Yeah. And they're both running. Um, it would be cliche for me to say, or it might be kind of a dad joke for me to say, Camino, cancer journey, one step at a time. Mm. Right, so mm-hmm. they are one step at a time, literally mm-hmm. and figuratively. I, I think the, if I had to tie those two together, it's a recognition that today is today. You're talking about the difference in time. I can't get to tomorrow until I've gone through today. Mm-hmm. On the Camino, I couldn't get to the next city until I took one step, then another step, then another step. And mm-hmm. they were all important. Um, and then mm. the same thing with cancer. Today is a great day. Yeah. I feel great. Yeah, I'm doing yeah. my treatment. Yeah. Um, tomorrow I might not feel great. You know, tomorrow if I have a pain, I might, oh gosh, is this, is, now do I have a different spot in my bones? Mm. Probably not. I have to mm-hmm. check my anxiety, but it's, you know, don't, don't worry about that. That might happen because it might not. But I do know it might, you know, realistically, there will be a time where it does outgrow mm-hmm. my treatment. I'll have to come up with something. But even then, I'll have something different. So mm-hmm. just that recognition of trying to diminish the worry about tomorrow mm-hmm. and focus on, again, we're talking about, you know, today's a good day. Yeah. And just yeah. how are you going to manage it? Yeah. So. And just like you packed, you spent a year preparing for yeah. the El Camino, and then you... I'm sure when it linked to pack just the right, not too much, not too little, just you know, but enough of what you need to take that Camino yeah. journey. Yeah. What would you say to someone that's thinking ahead? You know, maybe they're they're a few steps behind you and your cancer. Like maybe they're just starting. So what kind of a bag would you recommend that they pack for their mental health, their mm. emotional health, their mm. physical? Mm. I'd have to, I'd want to know them, certainly, um, how they deal with problems. I, w- I would say don't be afraid to lean on you know, your friends, your family, your spouse, if you have one. Um, don't be afraid to whine to somebody you're really close to and let them know when you're hurting. Again, I'd the, as best you can, pack light. And by that, I would mean don't carry those birds of worry. Try to be mindful of that. Try to focus on taking a small bite out of a large picture mm-hmm. and just try to manage that. Mm-hmm. Um, I worry more about, you know, when am I going to be here? What did I do and wrong by not providing for, I don't think so. Kids, will I see their weddings? I think so. Will I be here 20 years? I'm, I hope so. Might not, but, you know, I hope so. My um, uh, thought of... 
okay, well, I'm going to live out the rest of my life, and then I'm going to go to heaven. And you know, there have been times I know I've fallen into a trap. Okay, and then my everlasting life starts. Mine started 20 years ago. Hmm. I answered Christ and I said, yes, that's when my everlasting life started. Wow. And so when I get to whatever this end is, it'll be a, a transition to a different state, a different purpose. You know, mm-hmm. My purpose here is to love him and love my neighbor. And so trying to do the best I can with that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. When I pass into, uh, into heaven, it won't be necessarily helping my neighbor. You know, we'll all be full of joy. So, yeah. but, but there's no reason I can't think I have everlasting life now. Yeah. And it's real. Um, Absolutely. So, so yeah. So then uh, we've talked about what, what someone could pack in their cancer journey backpack. If it's, it's inevitably happens in our house, we get out the little luggage carrier, yeah. weigher thing, scale, whatever. And, oh, uh, Bruce, Bruce was packing for a trip. He's like, I'm four pounds over. Yeah. So he had to choose something to take out. So yeah. what would you, what some ideas of what to take out if the bag's a little heavy for someone uh, starting or for cancer? cancer. Uh-huh. I don't know. That's a really good question. I don't know if it's a, there's, knowledge is good. That's a quote from uh, Animal House. Um, <laughs> knowledge is power from um, Schoolhouse Rocks is one of my yeah, favorite. <laughs> I like Animal House a whole lot better. Knowledge is good. So knowledge is good. And so I think the delving deeper, deeper into, particularly if you don't have a medical background, delving deeper and deeper into the kind of what ifs of your particular diagnosis of studies that may not be exactly what you have oh. um, and start to glean, try to glean from those mm-hmm. scenarios, situations, prognoses that may not fit you. Have conversations if you want to delve more into, talk to your doctor. Mm-hmm. I think that would be trying to check that. So the and, self-education. Yeah, tap, I'm not saying don't do that. it, but don't get so, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, it's going to be bad because I've read this. I think I have where I've grown probably, and I think I'm glad I've been able to take that out of my suitcases, just being less irritable with things that of this world. You know, mm. that may sound grandiose, but it's a if a particular athlete is given his opinion, I've, <laughs> I, I don't want to listen to athletes, all they should do is play basketball. I had a conversation <laughs> with somebody last week, and it's like, why are you why are you bothered by it? Why are yeah, you yeah, worried? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know whether it's done what small stuff, but just give more grace to people. Yeah. And just mm-hmm. if it's if it's not a big bother not affecting you, your family, and even if it is, if it's not a big way, and mm-hmm. maybe just when you encounter people, just try to learn from what they mm-hmm. are saying and not immediately stand on that hill of you're saying something I don't agree with. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we're going to confront each other yeah, rather yeah, than be yeah. irritable uh, yeah. towards you. So pack extra grace. Yeah. Low attitude. Low attitude. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's good for everybody, yeah. no matter what journey they're yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that your life is so inspirational because despite the unexpected news of the cancer when you were looking at you know retirement and all these yeah. things it's like oh we have a we're going to add a chapter to this book i didn't expect to write yeah. you know but yeah. you leaned into it and you found opportunities to serve at church and you've got this great job that you have esoteric knowledge in which i'm sure is invaluable to sure. the yeah. people that you're helping and then you took this like bucket list trip that you're just yeah. like 
God, I don't care. Is. I have cancer. I'm doing this. Yeah, whoever's <laughs> listening, if you can do it, look it up. The Camino, it is mm-hmm. just a complete mm-hmm. delight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it looks like from where I'm sitting, you are keeping living, living the life out of every day, just yeah. enjoying the day. Um, is, is there any encouragement, inspiration you could leave us with today for both those who are going through cancer and their family and friends who just need a bit of a B12 shot. Yeah, yeah. I think um, encouragement, I would say, you know, think of those people you haven't connected with um, and touch base with them. Mm-hmm. And not because, hey, I'm cancer and I might or might not be around for a long time or, you know, I'm feeling sorry. Just, you know, you've got a heart in reaching out to mm-hmm. people because, you know, because that's what we're supposed to do we're supposed to love on each other mm-hmm. and so if you're if you have again I fell into that trap of you know, being results oriented and just the work 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 um, and probably not nearly as good about connecting with my old friends and being present for conversation with new friends mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah and then the other for me it's been invaluable to explore things that I've said gosh I have no ability and I've never had an interest in it but doggone, I'm going to try. Yeah. And it's just fun. Yeah. It's just new things are fun. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I, I met with one of my favorite senior friends. She, I adore her recently, and she has uh, Parkinson's now. And I spent the afternoon with her, and I was just looking for that, what I call a flash dance moment. Yeah. Where, she, where I can't remember the name of the character, but she goes to meet with her older lady friend. And she's like, you know, basically give me your way, your wise sage Yoda advice. You know, <laughs> I, I went over there like wanting like wise sage Yoda advice, <laughs> and because I, I don't have a mom to ask, you to yeah. ask. And so I, I asked her, I was like, how how do you deal with change and transition, like the big stuff? How do you yeah. do it? And, yeah. and she didn't even miss a beat. She yeah. just looked at me and she said, go slow, yeah. be careful, and keep your sense of humor. I thought that's... It's good words. Yeah. That's, yeah. I think that's something we can all aspire to. Yeah, 100%. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And it might almost sound too simple, but not really for people who want to get on the internet and scroll for 20 hours yeah. because they found something. That's not, you know, go slow. You yeah. Know? yeah. Be careful. You know, just stay in touch with your family, your friends, your doctor. You know, just be intentional about your life and then uh, yeah sense of humor so much like you're talking about animal house and all that like it's just so important to laugh like every day laugh every day because it's a new day every day is a new day day. absolutely yeah yeah Yeah. i I laugh a lot at my own jokes i usually hear a lot of other people laughing but that's okay (laughs) that's okay yeah i'm pretty uh pleased with the things i find funny Uh, (laughs) my son just tried karaoke our oldest for the first time and so he's like I don't know if I was good or bad, but I did it for three hours straight yes. up on the stage. <laughs> I used to be, you know, sort of talk about going to church. Um, just doing one, I just sing a whole lot louder than anybody around me is comfortable with. But it's, it, again, it's that joyful noise. I don't, don't have a great voice, yeah. <laughs> but I really like it. Yeah. And um, I think one thing, bringing back from the, uh, the Camino, just walking and feeling in my feet. Um, Every time I go to church, I worship with my shoes off. Mm. I take my shoes off because mm. I remember long ago thinking, you know, when Moses met God, he took his shoes off. That's holy ground. Mm-hmm. And now it's just natural for me. I walk in worship, take my shoes off, and I'm in my socks. And it's just, it. I can sense a different part of worship, just wow. a different sense that I have. 
different part of my body. Wow. Yeah, so it, it reminds me, this is a holy place. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it's a new experience. Mm. So being open to new experiences, yeah, it sounds 100%. like that's been life-changing for you. It has been, yeah. Worship-changing for you. It yeah, been, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, I think you're doing great. I Thank am, you. I am just always impressed to hear what you're up to next. Well, and you're kind. I hear that you hope to go back and do another route yeah. or the same. Yeah, it depends on if uh, yeah. our buddy who his tummy mm-hmm. was upset. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a conversation mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. Tell me what your you know, what your work schedule looked like. Are we going to go this year? And I don't think it's going to work this year, but mm-hmm. at some point we will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's good advice for all of us because seriously, none of us know you know what's going to happen. So we got to keep making those dreams and plans yeah. and working the plan. Just yeah. keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. enjoy you, this life. Something to put on your heart. If it's within reason, just do it. Just do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for your time oh, today. Oh, thanks for sharing your uh, your home and uh, this time to chat. It's been great. It feels like old yeah. hat, you know. Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> we're, I was trying to count back how many years. I don't know. I think it, we're going on like fourteen years or something with our families. Yeah, and... I think back when how old our kids were. At least Bradley's twenty six now, and he was, I think, younger than twelve. Yeah. When we met. Yeah. 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 So it's been at least fourteen. Mm-hmm. It's, Long enough where you call you, we call each other dear friends and yep. and family. Yep, your kids yeah. are like my kids. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just yeah. love them to death and um, love you guys and very partial to your wife. Well, <laughs> she's my sister she from another mister. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I cannot wait to hear about what crazy adventure you have on the horizon. Sounds good. I, I cannot be. wait because it's uh, going to be good. I don't know how you top the Camino, but I know that you will find a way. Yeah, we're <laughs> talking about a trip coming up in September. We hope yeah. that'll be a, a good time. Fantastic. And yeah. I'll be the first reader of your book. I uh, want to see that. I appreciate it. You <laughs> might need to set aside time in 2025 or something like that. The first time uh, yep. I'm progressing. Yep. And so. we'll have a big bonfire and you can be the guitar player with yeah. the s'mores. Yeah. It'll be great. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll see how that works out. <laughs> Reading with a kind of hard and gentle word. <laughs> Joyful noise. Joyful noise, yeah. Thanks again, Mike. It's You're been welcome. so fun. It has been fun. I've enjoyed it. Thanks for sharing all of your experience, um, both on the trail, off the trail, with with all of your journey. Um, not everybody would sit and do this, and we just appreciate it because there's a lot of people that need to know. You know, they're not the only ones, and and community, even virtual, is is wonderful. It's a blessing. So well, thanks for being a big it. part of that. Since I had a uh, kid who worked at uh, Chick Fil A, I'll say my pleasure. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time. The information provided in this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. It should not be construed as medical advice or a substitute for medical advice. Thanks again for listening to Real Deep Stuff. Follow and subscribe to save your seat at the table for the next conversation. Also, check out our Facebook page to continue the conversation on today's topic. We'll see you there.